Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, this is Terry Wickstrom, and Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company. You know, the, it's the, their smoked salmon is so incredibly delicious. We're going to tell you a little more in detail next hour because they, we're getting into the time of the year. Well, all year long I eat this stuff, but there's some really special reasons to eat it this time of the year. And if you haven't tried it, it's just fantastic. Uh, let's go right to the phones right now. And if my notes are right, um, we're being joined by Matt Ensley. Is that right, Matt? That's correct, Terry. I filling in for Nate. You know, I looked at the notes and they said that Nate was out chasing a deer down and you were going to come on. And usually when that comes up, uh, Will or somebody will come on and I go, and we're so fortunate today that we don't have Nate Zielinski. I mean that we have Matt Ensley. <laughs> yeah, his phone is, he has no cell service. That's why we can rip him. He can't hear us. Exactly. Yeah. No, actually, Nate is one of our favorite contributors. Mm-hmm. And all you guys at Tightline are just awesome contributors, a huge part of the show. And, you know, you were on just last last week, I believe, we were talking about some uh, different types of bites, and you're talking about some panfish. I don't know if you got to hear my little tackle talk. I don't know if you use any of those little gulp baits, but artificial baits, whether they're gulp or other baits, have really come into their own in the panfish world, haven't they? They sure have, and the panfish bite has just exploded uh, right in the last uh, probably two weeks as the water temperatures have dropped. The fish have moved off of the banks. They're uh, suspending, relating to the bottom uh, points, humps, flats in the main basin areas. And they will remain in these areas right into our ice fishing season. And I love those gulp micro products for not just ice fishing, but right now you can use those baits instead of live bait and catch crappie, bluegill, and perch. Uh, there's a perch bite going uh really strong right now. The perch schools are anywhere from 10 inches to 14-inch perch. And uh, I was out on the water yesterday, and there was like three boats. We were circling a couple of those schools, and I think uh, we caught like four limits of perch in an hour and a half. So well, when eight. when those perch are going, when they're schooled up, it is such I used to go out there uh, early years of Aurora. I used to live pretty close and go out there just for that perch bite. And didn't have spot lock on our trolling motors back then, so we'd we'd drift if we could. Then if it was too windy, we'd anchor. But boy, when those schools would come through, we'd have two, three guys in the bait, and everybody would have them on const- on the boat, and everybody would have them on constantly. And what you're telling me, ten to twelve inch perch, those are nice perch. Oh, they're jumbos, just beautiful perch. And uh, you know, basically, you go out, drive around the lake that you're familiar with, out in the basin area, looking for points or. Deep water, these fish are relating to anywhere from 40 to as deep as 60 feet in a roar, for example. And once you spot the schools, and you will, there'll be no doubt, it'll just, the locator will light up from the bottom all the way up, you know, 20, 30 feet off the bottom. Uh, I like two techniques. I like to use a slip float system uh, tipped with either uh, live bait, in this case, a piece of night crawler could be inch an inch and a half long. Uh, on a hook, uh, or a drop shot, because they are so deep. If you use a drop shot with a double hook set up above the weight, you can drop it right on their head, get in the school, and sometimes you catch two at a time. 
using those techniques. Oh, it really is. Do you have you tried any small spoons for them? Yes, uh, jigging uh, small jigging wraps and small blades, as well as small spoons, are also working. Now, so when you, you're in the school, it doesn't matter too much what you drop down there; they're going to hit it. Um, what, what which particular artificial baits do you find have the best Gulf luck with? Golf is my favorite, right there. I mean, you can't beat it. Uh, I saw a demonstration. I can't tell you how many years ago when they were introducing power bait by Berkeley at a Bassmaster Classic. They would drop a piece of their uh, power bait at that time in a tank of fish and then a, a regular worm. They never touched those fish in that tank, never touched a regular worm, but they ate that power bait every single time. They would boil on the surface to get to it. So I was sold, and I left that Bassmaster Classic with about six bags of those power worms. Well, you know, I, I've been fortunate that uh, Berkeley has been uh, a partner of mine for over 30 or 40 years, I think. So I've got to test a lot of their products, help work on design, and also to... Uh, fish with their products on a pretty regular basis. And it's been easy to be a partner with them because the stuff they make just works. Any particular um, any particular uh, type of that uh, gulp? I, I mentioned three in my little uh, tackle talk. I use the one-inch gulp minnow. I like the waxy. And I love the uh, little mini nightcrawler that looks like a bloodworm. Anything you really uh, gravitate to? Actually, I have all three of those, and those are my three favorites also. Uh, when I'm ice fishing, I tend to migrate to the little waxies because they look just like a real wax worm. And as the water gets really cold and you're in that 32, 32 and a half degree temperature, you need smaller presentations. So the waxy for me outperforms the others. But right now, all three of those work for the perch bite. Water temperatures are in the mid-40s, and these fish are just hammering Anything that comes down around them, they'll hit it. Now, you, you mentioned that they're, you're, you're finding them in the basin, so it's probably not an accessible from shore type bite. That, that's correct. Uh, it, particularly at Aurora, they're out in front of the dam areas where you find most of those schools this time of year. Now, as the ice season uh, progresses and that lake freezes, you can find them uh, roaming around in Marina Cove from time to time. And uh, you just got to drill a lot of holes and test them out with your locator or, or actually fishing them, and, and you'll find those schools. And when you're on them, you can catch fish after fish after fish. It's a lot of fun, and they're great table fare. If you've never eaten perch, they're as good as Oh, they're, they're fantastic. They're unbelievable. Uh, the walleye like bite is still going, although we're past our uh, moon phase here for the full moon, and we'll be get, coming into another window on the new moon later this month. But... Uh, still catching walleye on jerk baits uh, early and late, particularly at night. Lots of jerk bait uh, fish coming, uh, but they have moved a little bit deeper uh, as the water temperature begins to drop. And uh, the blade baits and jigging rapplers in the 15 to 25 foot range seems to be working best right now. Now, I, this is something we've talked about, and we're going to be doing a lot of ice fishing over the next few weeks. We've got some of the you know, some of the best ice fishermen in the world are going to be coming on. We've got Doug Stangy and Bo Brosdahl is going to be on this week and Dave Gentz and, of course, all you guys at Tightline, your, you know, Nate, yourself, the guys that are really into fishing. We're going to have, uh, you know, a number of guys locally, too. So we're going to really cover ice fishing. But one of the things we've been harping on is we've kind of been leading into this ice fishing is if you're still out on open water, now is the time to be marking GPS points for ice fishing. It can save you so much time when you're ice fishing. Absolutely. 
why drill 15 or 20 or 50 uh, holes through the ice to do that searching if you can do it during the open water season and then just walk to the spots and fish them. You know, um, we'll talk about it more when we get later. And Roar is a fairly good-sized body of water. It tends to freeze a little late, but it stays frozen pretty well if we get cold weather. You never know on the front range here. But I've ice fished Aurora quite a bit, but it's been years and years. I would think that Aurora Reservoir, if we get a good ice cap on it, is going to be a tremendous ice fishing opportunity this year. Matt. It is, both for walleye and uh, the perch. Um, and trout. I mean, walleye, uh, the trout out there are, are huge. I mean, they're four- and five-pound trout, some of them bigger than that. Um, and right now you're catching those trolling uh, in the morning early as you leave the launch area. They're right on the surface. They're rising, so keep your baits right on the surface. But uh, as the sun comes up, they'll be down about 20 feet, and you want to troll uh, pop gear, cast masters, any kind of little flashy spoon or even uh, some uh, silvery uh, small uh, minnow baits uh, will work quite well trolling those behind the boat, and they'll just hammer those baits. But the walleye themselves, when you move into the ice fishing season, uh, they're still going to hit blade baits and jigging wraps. You want to tip it with a minnow head or something to give it a little flavor, or a, a Berkeley gulp. If you don't have minnows, that Berkeley gulp works great for the walleye. You know, they actually make a minnow head in those jars of gulp. I didn't know that. I had not seen that product. That's yeah, they actually make a minnow head. It's got, like, dangling little that you would, you know, if you popped a head off a minnow, you'd get a little bit of the entrails there. They have those on very, they're very effective looking, and you get that, you get some action with it, too. That's so awesome. That's a great product. Now, I know you're ta- you've are you been mostly talking Aurora. What else are you seeing around? Metro area, we got about, what, we got about two weeks of uh, boat ramp before the boat ramps close. What else? And shore. Of course, shore will continue. What are you seeing out there? So both Chatfield and Cherry Creek are producing some nice fish now, uh, mostly on uh, blade baits and uh, Chatfield some jigging wraps. Uh, the panfish uh, at Cherry Creek is mainly crappie, although there's a few perch in there, but it's some huge crappie in, in Cherry Creek, and they're schooled up in the basin areas also uh, using these same techniques, either the drop shot with the live bait or gulp or a uh, uh, slip float system once you find the school, um, to just sit on top of them and hammer the fish until they move off, and then you've got to relocate them. Now, uh, before we move on to other fish and other lakes, when you're both a perch and, like, these crappies over the basin, that basin in Cherry Creek's probably around 20 feet, maybe a little more in some areas. Um, are you trying to anchor or using a spot lock on a trolling motor, or are you able to just drift over them? The invention of spot lock is one of the greatest tools fishermen have today in the industry and so everyone has moved including me to spot lock throwing an anchor out you know will spook the fish sometimes if you don't ease it in correctly so spot lock you can just stop right on the spot and then you can jog around a little bit it has a jog function so you can jog five or ten feet left right well, well and the other thing with the spot lock too is um like uh, i have a television show on my youtube channel that i fished year filmed years ago uh, going after perch, very almost exactly like what you're talking about here on Horsetooth Reservoir, didn't have spot lock, so I had to find where the schools were going through. Then I had to go, you know, way past them, put an anchor out, then go way past them again, put another anchor out, and then adjust the two rope lengths till I was over the fish. Incredibly effective way to hold, but boy, you lose a lot of fishing time doing that. And then if you want to reset up, you've got to go pick up an anchor and totally reset. 
that's the most difficult part, being mobile and move around a little bit. Because like we said, the schools are not going to stay in one spot. They're moving around in a general area in the basin, and you have to follow them. Oh, we just got a message from Nate. Nate, it says, buck down. So apparently he's he's doing well. So He got him a buck. Good. Yep. So, oh, I, just, I saw a picture of Nate. I believe it was on one of your Facebook pages just a while ago with an incredible elk. I saw that. That, that rack was bigger than my truck. Oh, I know. He's, you know, I, I give him a hard time, but he's quite an outdoorsman, isn't he? He, he certainly is, and he enjoys every minute of it. One well, of the hardest working men I've ever been around. Well, and all you guys at Tightlines are such incredible contributors to uh, this show. Um, any other bites you're hearing about? Well, Chatfield's uh, primarily walleye right now, uh, although they've got an excellent bluegill population out there. Uh, that uh, if you get into school of them, you can do quite well with the panfish techniques we were talking about. Um, those are the primary bites. Pueblo's going well for uh, mainly uh, walleye right now. November's an excellent month for Pueblo, uh, jigging out there on the Boggs Flat area. Uh, lots of fish coming, and that's about it. Now, as we head into the ice fishing season, we got a couple minutes here, so I'm going to keep you on for a couple minutes. Um, I have some spots, like, I have spots in my head, and I'm going to share them with people, that I know that I'm going to see early ice up at North Michigan or Red Feathers Lakes or some of those places. Now, they're trout-based lakes, and I know at North Michigan I have a tendency to catch some bigger trout where Red Feathers, I'm just going to catch fish, but I want to get on the ice. So I have a few spots like that. And then I have a few spots, um, Lon Hagler's close to my house and Boyd is close to my house, that I know as soon as there's ice, I'm going to go hit those spots. So I'm already kind of thinking about where the fish might be when we get ice because it could come early this year. I mean, the Front Range lakes were probably a month away, but some of those mountain lakes, we may only be a week or two. And so I'm already in my mind kind of going over what my presentations and what my gear and my locations. Do you find yourself doing that same thing? Absolutely. I, I try and um, plan ahead. The smaller the bodies of water and the higher the altitude those bodies of water, the sooner they freeze. So here in the metro area of the Front Range, the smaller the lake, the sooner it will cap uh, because the water temperature can cool off faster. Larger bodies of water like Aurora or even Chatfield will be some of the latter lakes to cap over. I heard uh, or saw a report just recently I think it was on Facebook that uh, some of the mountain lakes have begun to cap. So there's ice on lakes in the mountains now. Um, give it a few weeks, maybe a month, the next cold snap, they may completely cap. Oh, I think, I think by Thanksgiving some of those mountain lakes are going to be fishable. Now, that being said, I never call anything safe ice. I mean, there's, I'll put on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, recommendations from several uh, government agencies on what ice can hold what. But, boy, those are vague because it's the quality of the ice. When did it freeze? Did it refreeze? And people need to learn. So um, when we say we think it's safe to fish, that's just putting out a general guideline. Don't ever take that as gospel when you're going on the ice. That's right. Ice conditions will vary on any given body of water or any given area. One lake could have 4 to 8 inches or 12 inches of ice, and then the next lake just down the the road might have half that much or less. So you just have to check the ice out, invest in a spud bar, um, 
drill, if you don't have that, drill holes as you go just to check the thickness of the ice. That's the safest way to do it. You're absolutely right. And the last thing was I want to talk about the small bodies of water, even down in the front range. Like I think most people know about the St. Varane ponds. They're just heavily, heavily stocked. So a lot of these small ponds get stocked with trout. And it might be difficult to go catch walleyes in some of these lakes or early and late. You kind of have to know what you're doing. But if you just want to try ice fishing, a lot of these small ponds, even right here in the Front Range, will freeze probably about mid-December, and give or take. And you're going to find they're heavily stocked with cooperative trout. And with a few of the presentations we talked about just, you can go out on these ponds with limited equipment and just have a great time catching some fish, and a lot of times in really nice weather. Absolutely. Trout is a cold water species from from a fish standpoint. And so when that water's cold, they're still very aggressive and very active, so they, they can be very easy to catch. Matt, we're out of time, but a lot of great information. Thanks for filling in for Nate and joining us again. Uh, awesome job. Take care, Terry. You bet. That's Matt Ensley from Tightline Outdoors. Of course, you can find those guys at tightlineoutdoors.com and Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company. Smoke salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. It is time for our Ask the Expert segment. This is a segment where you send your outdoor questions to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at facebook.com, on uh, gmail.com. Sorry about that. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at gmail.com. If we choose to answer your question on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's just for sending it in. You don't have to come on with us. You don't even have to listen, but we hope you will. And you get 25 bucks to spend, plus we answer your question. It could be clothing. It could be hunting, fishing, camping. It could be Christmas gifts for the outdoors. And it could be any question you have. If we choose to answer it, 25 bucks just for sending it in. Today's question is from Mark and Thornton. He goes, I love your show. Thanks, Mark. I want to get started ice fishing. What is the minimum equipment I need to start, and what should I add as I progress into it? Well, Mark, uh, the first two main things you need to get started ice fishing is a friend with equipment and a ranta. Now, everybody says, what's a ranta? Now, this is uh, a ranta is a young man that used to ice fish with me back in the 80s, and we used to tie a rope around him and send him out to check the ice. Now, I, obviously, I'm just kidding. Uh, Tim Ranta, who used to fish with us, we teased him about that because he was a little bit of a daredevil, and he was um, he was just a great guy to fish with and an incredible angler. So that became one of our jokes. But seriously, let's talk about how do you get started in ice fishing. You know, and the comment I made to start about a friend with equipment really isn't bad because if you've never ice fished before, it's difficult to go buy equipment, and I'll help you with that after we in a little in a little bit, but. Uh, if you know somebody that ice fishes and they can either go with you or lend you some equipment to try it. And it's almost better if your first trip, there's somebody who's had a little bit of experience. If, if that's not possible, maybe hire a guide, you know, Ronnie Castiglione, I believe guys ice fishing. I know the guys at tight lines guide a lot of ice fishing or go out to one of tight lines tournaments and watch and see what they're doing. Get a feel for it. But that being said, you can start ice fishing with almost no equipment, all right? 
Um, you're going to need some warm clothing. But in Colorado, if you're willing to fish some of the Front Range lakes after they freeze hard, um, then we're going to get some really sunny, nice days that won't hurt the integrity of the ice very quickly. You can actually fish out there in lighter clothing even. But the most important thing is to stay warm to start with. So you want good boots, good clothing. You want to be comfortable. You want it to be fun. And ice fishing can be tremendously fun. Then you have to have a way to make a hole in the ice, right? Well, the, the, the things that most people end up with, of course, eventually they end up with an ice auger. Um, to start out with, I suggest getting a spud bar. and That's just a big, long-handled ice chisel that you can whack the ice with. It serves two purposes, that ice chisel does. One, it allows you to quickly check the integrity of the ice as you progress and make sure you're walking on good, solid ice. And when the ice is thin, only a few inches, four, five, six inches, you can chisel a little hole in the ice pretty quickly with that, and then you don't have to carry an ice chisel and an auger. The more stuff you carry with you, the less you're going to move. The less mobile you are, the less more likely you are to set up over one ice fishing hole all day, whether the fish are biting or not. So remember, mobility is going to be a key as we go on. So you need a way to get a hole in the ice, all right? And if you're going to fish mostly the front range, mostly panfish, mostly trout, a 6- or 7-inch hand auger will work just great. A 6- or 7 will cut so much quicker than an 8- or 10-inch auger, and you can get a huge fish through a 6- or 7-inch hole, and it's just a lighter auger. It cuts quicker even when it gets a little dull, and it's just easier to carry and use. Now you need a way to catch the fish. The next thing, I, I always recommend people to buy some ice fishing rods. They're not very expensive. Unfortunately, a lot of times people buy the wrong ice fishing rods. Ice fishing rods are usually from 18 to 36. They can go up to 50 inches long. Now you could use your normal summer rod through the ice, but it's very awkward. You're, too, you're so far away from the hole when you're trying to land a fish and it's tough to make the delicate presentation sometimes you have to make when you're ice fishing. A couple good ice fishing rods only going to cost you like 10 bucks a piece, and you can use your reels from summer. If you don't have either one, you can buy combos for like $20, $25. You can get up to $50, $75. But if you're just getting started, the key is you need a soft tip to protect your light line because you tend to fish with lighter line ice fishing, but enough backbone to set the hook and land fish. Most people starting in Colorado are going to chase um, rainbow trout and possibly some panfish, so you don't need big, heavy-duty rods. You'd rather have them a little on the light side than on the heavy side, all right? So, And then you have to get the right line on them. Don't go too heavy on the line because, remember, fish can see your line. They get to look your offering over when you're ice fishing. So that would be you need a couple nice ice fishing rods, a way to make a hole, and then you need um, some clothing. After that, of course, you need some lures and some baits. And I would talk to the people at the tackle store. Some small jigs, a few small spoons will get you started and cover most situations. Then after that, as you progress, you may want to get electronics. Electronics will revolutionize the way you ice fish. A depth finder, especially one with and a GPS, will just enhance how much you catch. But they're an investment, but boy, will they pay off. The other thing you may want to get is if you if you... Invest in just a little kid's sled to haul your gear around, stay mobile. But the next step up is a portable shelter that flips over like the fish trap. You can put all your stuff in there. You never have to unpack it. When you stop, you just flip it up and you cover it. In Colorado, I hardly ever even turn a heater on. I stay toasty warm. So getting started, you need a way to make a hole. You need a couple ice fishing rods. You need to be very safe and you need some warm clothing. As you progress, 
You, you, you want to get electronics in a shelter. Once you get into ice fishing, you'll find lots of items, and they are fantastic. It's a great sport. In fact, we're going to talk a lot more about ice fishing in our next segment is we're going to be joined by famous angler um, Bro Brosdahl right here on this show after this timeout. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We are going to go right to the phones now. We've been talking off and on some ice fishing. We're going to be covering ice fishing over the next few weeks. Um, we are now joined by one of the premier guides, outdoor personalities, both for open water and ice fishing. You've seen him appear on several of my television shows. You can't open an outdoor fishing magazine without seeing his picture. And if you go to most of the websites, there he is standing there, usually holding a sizable fish. But good friend and uh, just accomplished ice fisherman, Bro Brian Bro Brosdahl. Bro, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing great. It's so great to talk to you again. And I know we, we go too long. We see each other in the summer, usually once at the, in the ICAST. And then we talk when it comes to ice fishing. We got to get back to talking to each other on the water. Oh, I know for sure. And, and you know, the guide schedules get busy and, and I'm next thing you know, it's, it's winter. Winter happens fast in my neck of the woods. You know, we're going to talk about some of the things that are happening in the ice fishing industry. Cause I know you're always on the cutting edge and, you and I talked about a number of things. I just had a question that we did on the air that I, I do an Ask the Expert question. It was about what do I need to start ice fishing? Just a, a quick answer to this. What's the number one mistake you see that a beginning ice fisher makes, either in his attitude or the equipment he buys wrong? Well, it, it's, it's you know, buy what, what really works. I mean, talk to people. Uh, you know, there's so much available as far as figuring out spots. But make sure you, you, you have, uh, all you need is a, is a way to get through the ice, which is a hand auger or a chisel. So you can just, even a chisel, just cut a hole, just go have a first-time experience. But uh, the first thing they do is they, they dress uh, with a regular, I, I've seen it out there, people with, with a, a boots that ain't warm or, or, or gloves, and uh, dress for the occasion, for the, uh, for the weather. And so that you could be out there long enough and give the time, give the fish time to, to actually physically swim over and bite. And uh, you'll have a great time. It's more than just catching the fish. It's being out there and knowing that you're standing over them in close proximity to them compared to summertime. You're right over them, uh, just like you're in a deer stand and the fish are under you. And that's the amazing part. No technology needed at first. Just look down the hole if, you, if you're in shallow Start shallow somewhere where you can watch the fish swim through and bite. And then as far as electronics and everything, here's the thing. You can be rigged like a pro for a grand, but in the, in the summertime, to be rigged like a pro is a lot more. But if you want the snowmobile, the fish house, the, the electric auger, the new electronics, you know, camera, Felix, the Aquaview, all that stuff to be rigged exactly like I am, you can have that long track sled and everything that I have for probably about eighteen grand, which sounds like a lot, but in open water, it'd be a hundred thousand because Ranger boat, all the rods, the St. Croix rods, and everything. You don't need all that. You can get, you can find us. Uh, snowmobiles are cheap if you got a big body of water, or use your feet and just drag it by sled. But I'm on large bodies of water, and we need to move and get out there. So, snowmobiles and four wheelers are the are the mode. So, ice fishing is a very 
affordable sport, and it doesn't take much. You need a bucket to carry your stuff, and uh, and a chisel is all you need. So if you're into it, 50 bucks. All right. That's great. Great answer. You echoed a lot of what I said. You mentioned something during that about electronics, and that's where you and I started talking earlier this week. And that's one subject. I know we've got a lot of things we'd like to talk about. We won't get to them all, but um, the, the advancement, electronics uh, 40 years ago revolutionized ice fishing and just changed the way we approach it. And that was mostly based on a flasher with a, as a depth finder and being able to see not only the fish but our lure. It revolutionized how we made presentations. Now, the mapping and the, the ability to know your location and some of the separation and the, what you can do with the new electronics, bro, are just unbelievable. It's amazing. Uh, like the, the, the Helix 7 has chirp now. And chirp, what is chirp? It's a naval term for multi-frequency broadband. That sounds complicated. But what it means is there's a lot of, of, uh, of, of uh, sound going down and a lot of information being brought back to the unit. It interprets it, makes a signal, and it'll show you there's fish. It shows your lure. It shows the depth. It shows how wide uh, of the, as the space that you're reading is beneath the ice. Everything that you need to know on it. Plus, it has a map, and you can highlight the contours I, I can't, sometimes I call it the cartoon because it's like watching a cartoon as you're out there, but it's a reality. You're, 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 you're a little uh, arrow on the screen, and it shows you going over structure, deep water. When you're on the ice, it'll bring you right to your, where you want to be. You could transfer all the information from your boat electronics to the winter electronics so that you don't have to leave anything behind. We're rigged like we are in open water for ice. I don't go out there guessing where to go. I go right to where I caught them, and I can do it year after year within inches of where I found them the years before. And then with the electronics, I know when they're going to bite. I can watch their reaction, watch their mood, and I can adjust my jigging cadences to the electronics. In other words, you see how they are, whether they're tired and lazy or if they're super hungry and active. And you can react to it by how you move the lure, and and you can adjust the size of the lure. So the amazing thing is, right now, there's no reason to be left in the dark. There's a huge light bulb going on in electronics, and Aquaview has a camera now that winds up like a fishing reel. Full color shows you everything that's down there. You can watch the fish, bump your hook, and if you can't see that, you'd set the hook because it made your rod tip move. But you can wait until the fish takes the bait in, then set the hook. So your hookup ratio is a lot higher. You actually get to see what kind of fish slam in. And you don't have to bend over and look down the hole and get a sore neck. You drop the camera down. You can adjust it to look sideways, straight up, straight down at an angle. You can see what's down there. And you'd be surprised what swims by your lure. Sometimes it would make you nervous because there's big fish always coming through. Now, we talked about electronics. One thing I want to really, uh, really get back to is the fact that, you know, decades ago, we just started using flashers because the, the um, graph screens weren't fast enough. They, they took so long for the software to process and react that only a flasher, which was a mechanical unit at that time, was able to transmit in real time what your lure was doing. But with the electronics we have now, with those advances, 
They're every bit as much in real time, and what you mentioned, giving you advantage of a map, too, and more fishermen are comfortable reading them. I think right now, I honestly, I have two flashers and two graphs, and I fish with the graph most of the time. Oh, I'm telling you, the nice thing about graph, you get a scrolling history so you can look back seconds later and see what happened. But now with, with this, you have a graph and flasher in, in concert together. So, and, and it's real time because there, there's a, a, the megahertz is really strong. They call it mega, but the new uh, G2s uh, have a real heavy signal going down. So they're real time because pro- microprocessors are super fast. There's no difference from the old uh, uh, electric motor flashers that were instant to the new digital processors and um, and all these uh, heavy energies going down into the water now and uh, being able to interpret it have made this it, it real-time, fast, and showing you everything that's down there at any depth, but also being able to record it and then take the same unit in the summer and go on the boat and drive around like you're mowing the lawn, and you have your own map, your own proprietary map that you made yourself and you own. So you know all the secret spots, ledges, drop-offs, and uh, it exists for the price of a, a, just an, a flasher. So you have all this available to you now, and if, if, if you haven't seen it, you can go online and look at it, but you can't outjig it, you can't outmove it, and that's what happened in the old days because of microprocessors and uh, in different forms of uh, of sonars, it, it's really changed. It's it's really gone into the future uh, so fast in the last year. It's it's just amazing. There is no comparison to anything I've ever seen in my life to the new electronics today. We have about two minutes left because we spent quite a bit of time on that earlier question. I, electronics are invaluable, and we're going to cover that off and on more over the next few weeks. But I want to get your uh, there's any new lures or any just standard lures that you just won't go without. Um, I mean, going out ice fishing, I'm going after panfish and trout. What are some of the newest lures or some of the old standards I just have to have? Well, you got to get the glow shot spoon. It's a spoon that has a light stick insert, a micro light stick that you put in. So you could have a metallic spoon that has a bright glow coming out of it. Whether you're fishing during the day or night, clear, dark water, the fish can see it and they focus in on it and they have to come and look. The glow shot spoon from Northland Fishing Tackle. And then as far as plastics go, if you like chasing rainbow trout or big panfish, I can't believe how well the skeleton minnow from, from Impulse Plastics, Northland Impulse Plastic works. The skeleton minnow and the water flea. Check them out. They're, they're lifelike. And I designed them because I use them. I'm a fishing guide, and that made up 70% of my entire panfish catch last year without any bait. The skeleton minnow and the water flea by Northland Fishing Tackle, the Impulse Tackle. Look it up. You'd love it. All right, bro. We are really out of time. I'd love to spend more. We might have to get you on again before ice fishing. But um, if people wanted to book a trip with you or find more information, how can they find you? Go to brosguideservice.com. Or look me up on Twitter or Facebook, and you can follow my adventure, see my schedule, and everything's right there. All right, my friend, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us. And I really do think I have to get you back on again, and we have to get on the water together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, anytime. Come on up. Let's go fishing, and everybody be safe on the ice, and have your ice picks with you.
All right. Thank you, Brian. Have a great day. Brian Bro Brosdahl, one of the giants in the industry, true friend, great guy. I tell you what, I want to tell you a bunch of stuff about honey smoked salmon. We're up against the break, so I'm going to take a break. When I come back, the owner of Honey Smoked Salmon, Kevin Mason, is going to join me, and we're going to tell you why you want to be eating that product, especially this time of the year. Terry Wickstrom Outdoor is brought to you in part by Honey Smokes Fish Company Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We'll get back to the outdoors in just a minute, but right now a good friend of mine is on the line and somebody who's been a partner of this show for, gosh, it's got to be starting to go on a decade, and what a proud partner they are for us because of the quality of the product they make, and that's Kevin Mason from the Honey Smoked Fish Company. Good morning, Kevin. Well, good morning to you, Terry. I'll tell you what, I made a comment earlier, I think in the first hour of the show, that um, your, your product's in my refrigerator year-round. But it becomes more important than ever for several reasons this time of the year. One was that um, you get, there's a lot of temptations out there right now, Kevin, and we give in to some of them this time of the year over the holidays. And by substituting honey-smoked salmon for other things, I can still keep myself on a healthy path, and it feels like I'm cheating because it tastes so good. And the other thing is you get people dropping by this time of the year. What an easy way to entertain. You can take the honey-smoked salmon out just by itself, put it out with some crackers, or I love to make a spread or put it as an ingredient when I'm having people over, maybe for an appetizer. It is just the best product I ever use for those uses. What's really great, Terry, too, is when you get invited to you know, a family's house or your, your grandparents or anyone. That, you know, instead of bringing, like, alcohol and not knowing where that alcohol is going to be consumed, a lot of people are bringing the honey-smoked salmon. We're a local company right here in Colorado, beautiful Colorado, and it's made fresh daily. The smokers are humming right now for the holidays. You know what? What you said really hit home, and I meant to say that, too, because when you first joined us uh, many, many years ago and became a partner to the show, I started eating the product more and more and just fell in love with it. So we go great too. Yeah. So we'd go to like a neighbor's house or we'd get invited for a holiday get together or go somewhere. And I, my schedule's crazy. I'm on the run, you know, just like yours is. And we didn't have time to make something. We'd pick up some honey smoked fish company salmon and it was always the hit. We always got the most praise. Other people spent hours putting this stuff together. We walk in with that first one to get eaten and the one everybody raved about every time. Here's a great secret, too. Get some cream cheese. Get some honey-smoked salmon. Leave them out for about an hour or so. Whip up the, uh, break up the smoked salmon in a, like a cream cheese whipper. Like, whip up the cream cheese and the smoked salmon together, and you got a smoked salmon dip without all the chemicals, without all the nitrates. And it's just a, it's a wholesome food. Oh. And it's a superfood. I do that all the time. I get one part cream cheese, one part honey-smoked salmon. I put it in my food processor, and it is just delicious. Occasionally, I'll sprinkle in a spice or something, but you don't have to. Or you can or get, right. the, get the flavored ones. Kevin, where can they find honey-smoked salmon? Well, we're almost in all the stores now. We're going to be soon to be Walmart. That's coming soon. Uh, we're in, of course, Costco, Sam's Club, King Super, Safeway, and Sprouts, and the local restaurants in town. Here's one more quick one. Get some uh, uh, sour cream. Get some dill. Get a little bit of vodka and uh, put a shot in that and make it like a uh, vodka dill dipping sauce for the wow. smoked salmon for the holidays. 
All right, that one. I just wrote that down while you were saying it. That's going to be the next one I make. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for all your audience for listening. Yeah, I don't know how long we've been partners, but it's going back. I think it's got to be pushing a decade, and I fell in love with the product. And the one thing I say to people over and over again, I said, even if you don't think you like smoked fish, try honey smoked salmon. You'll fall in love with it. And it gives you the energy to go fishing. Oh, without question. Thank you, Kevin. (laughs) Thank you, Terry. You bet, Kevin Mason. He's the owner of uh, Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon, right here in Colorado. Colorado Company, just fantastic. Hey, um, we've been talking that we're going to be covering quite a bit of ice fishing. No, we'll cover other things. You know, as long as there's an open water bite, there's always fly fishing going on. We've got sports shows coming up. We're going to have a lot of special guests coming up from all topics. A lot of fly fishing goes right on through the winter, a lot of hunting. So we'll cover all those things. But everybody who listens knows that ice fishing is something that's very close to my heart, something that I really get into. I I, I go back to um, a lot of the people you're going to hear as guests coming up on this show were people that I got the the privilege and honor of fishing or spending time on the water with during what was known as the revolution, when ice fishing went from this big shacks or freezing to death uh, over one hole to this portability and electronics and new clothing. And there was a bunch of us, myself and Greg Claudio, Dave Gentz, who's going to be on the show in a couple weeks, Doug Stangy from In Fisherman, who's going to be on in maybe two, three weeks. We just had Bro Brosdal on. He'll probably be coming back. Our own Nate Zolinski, Ronnie Castiglione, uh, Brad Peterson. We have some tremendous ice fishing resources, and we are really, really going to hit the ice fishing almost on every week. Except next week, I don't think there will be ice fishing because I'm going to be on assignment in Hawaii. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I'm going so I can check it out for you folks and make sure the fishing is good and there's good accommodations. And I do that without complaining. But in my absence, <laughs> in my absence, Chad LaChance will be doing the show next week. So tune in. Chad always has a lot to bring to the show. So that'll be an awesome show. A couple other things I want to remind you that um, our social media, you really need to follow us on our Facebook page. When we get a new guest like this the coming up, like when Doug Stangy or Dave Gens is going to be on, we'll post that on Facebook and let you know. We also post our links to my column in the Denver Post. I write a column every week for the Denver Post, and I found something out. If you follow, go to read the post, if you read my column on the app, either the Android or the uh, the iOS or the Apple app, um, it it doesn't bring the podcast with that we did on the radio because my column always has a radio podcast attached to it. And we, we just take it a little more in depth during the column. And sometimes you miss some of the points. So if you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, as soon as that column is posted, usually within an hour or two, we post it on our Facebook page. So you get it even if it's in the newspaper, you get it before it's delivered and you get it almost immediately when it shows up on the Denver Post page. And we take you to the online version, not the app version. So that link that's on my Facebook page always has the podcasts in it. So if you want to make sure you don't miss the podcast of my article, go to the link on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and then click on it there to get the article. Now, we also put so much other information on that Facebook page. If I get out on the water, you're going to hear about it. We're going to report it immediately. If we have special guests, if we have uh, our tackle talks and, and every time we post a television show to our YouTube channel it also gets put up on our uh, Facebook page and we post new shows to the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom every couple weeks Karen's putting up there's 70 or so up there now eventually they'll probably be over a hundred 
also want to let people know if you have Comcast Xfinity and you have the X1 app, you can just press the little microphone and say uh, YouTube, and it'll bring you to YouTube whether you're online otherwise or not, and it'll let you search. You can find the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom by putting my name in, and there's about 70 episodes of my television show you can watch right over the Comcast Xfinity app like that, so you can really um, uh, join us. There's so many ways to follow us. We, we love informing you about the outdoors. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 right here. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen. They actually make me look like I know what I'm doing, and thanks to all of you for listening. Join us next week and every week for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Then she lived up at